So this morning we are going to be doing a uh, camp preparation message. We've been doing that on the past couple of Wednesday nights as well. And so I wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, and as I was thinking about camp and as I was praying about it, um, this is kind of what came into my mind. And so, um, you know, it's kind of funny, pre-camp message, prepare to meet thy God. You know, it sounds super intense. But you know what? That is kind of the truth. And the one thing about camp that has been, something that's been on my heart for many, many years, and I've shared this with you guys lots of different times, is that a lot of people come to camp and that's where they meet God. That's where they deal with their stuff. That's where they deal with sin in their life. And that is totally okay. But I want camp to be something just more than that. Because I've seen way too many students over the years that have come to camp And at camp, they get convicted about stuff in their life that they should have been dealing with like months, weeks, years prior, but they just didn't. They just kept refusing God all those days of of those months and everything leading up to that point. And then they come to camp and they get convicted and then they desire to change. And here's what I've found. The majority of kids that come to camp get convicted at those points in time. They come home and they go right back. They go right back doing the same things they did before. Now, it's not to say that they were not legitimate convictions, that those things that God brought up in their life were not legitimate issues, and that they didn't legitimately want to deal with them. I will never say that because I've I've been in those circumstances where God has dealt with me, and I've gone back into stuff that I shouldn't have gone back into. But I will say that on the other side of it, students that have prepared their heart, they've been walking with God months, days, weeks prior to coming to camp, The things that God does in their heart at that camp, the majority of them come out of that camp obeying God even more and serving God even more. So what kind of camp are you going to have? And so I want to really spend some time just talking about certain things of, okay, how can I make sure I've not prepared up to this point or I've not prepared properly up to this point? And so what do I need to do this week? What do I need to do this week in order to properly prepare my heart for whatever God has for me while I'm at camp? And at the same time, I know there's some of you in here that are not going to go to camp. And even though you're not going to go to camp, I want you to, but even though you're not going to go to camp, these things are things that you should be doing daily, weekly. Because if you're willing to do these things, then you don't necessarily need to, you know, do anything special in order to walk with God. You just do these things and God will convict you on a daily basis and then you can be convicted and let God change you from the inside out just from doing these simple things. And so we need to prepare. And so we've got a couple of verses here. Someone take a look at 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. Who wants that one? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, Carson, take that one. Everybody else go to Amos. Amos chapter 5. Amos. Old Testament, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Amos. Now, Amos is a book that a lot of people have not really studied, but I will tell you, I will tell you, the book of Amos is a great book to study. It is a great book to study because when you read through the book of Amos, you're going to feel like you're reading what's going on today in the newspapers and in the media. 
There's so many things that are going on in the nation of Israel that when God pens the book of Amos, it really reflects our day and age now. But in Amos chapter 5, I wanted you to see this. As I was doing some of my studying and reading this past week, I came across this passage and I thought, oh, this is it. This is it. This is so true. So Amos chapter 5 and verse 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live. Lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into the morning and maketh the day dark with night and calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly for as much at, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and ye take from him burdens of wheat, ye have built houses of hewn stone, but ye shall not dwell in them. Ye have planted pleasant vineyards, but ye shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just, they take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord... The God of hosts shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord of God, Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Now, there's so many things that we could talk about within this one. But overall, what you find from, from verse 4 all the way to verse 15 is that God says, Listen, you better turn and change your ways or else judgment is coming. Seek him. And if you seek him, you will live. And this is why there's a lot of people that believe that Christians should not be judgmental. Now, I understand that. But what is your definition of judgmental? Because we are called to make judgments. Carson, go ahead and read that one out of 1 Corinthians 11, 31. We would judge ourselves. We should not be judged. Okay, so in that context, we should be judgmental. What do I mean by that? Read it again. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Explain that to me. Somebody put that in your own words. A biblical concept in your own words. Timmy, go ahead. Yeah. Every single one of us has the ability to judge ourselves. But what's the key? In order to judge yourself, what do you have to do? Okay, you got to be walking with God. Keep it simple. In order to judge yourself, what do you got to do? Yes, that's the first thing. Most people that accuse other people of, of being judgmental, they know they're doing something wrong and they're not willing to admit that they're wrong. They're not willing to be honest with themselves. They're not willing to look at themselves in the mirror and see themselves for who they really are because they really know. They really, really know. And so this is a concept that we, if we're going to be fruitful Christians, you have to get into the habit of looking into the mirror. That's why James chapter one talks about how the word of God is a mirror. Now there are different kinds of mirrors, aren't there? There are many different kinds of mirrors. 
And let me give you a quick example. How many of you have just messed around and had fun with Snapchat and the face filters, right? Okay, so if you were to take out your phone right now, and this is actually a kind of mirror, by the way. If you were to take your phone out right now and you were to, you know, do a selfie and you were to be able to look at yourself, it's a, it's a bit of a mirror, right? And you can look at yourself and be like, ooh, ooh, ugh. And then you can change whatever is needed in order to correct the ugliness that you see in your mirror. But what's interesting is that you have now the technology with a lot of the face filters that they can actually change your appearance. They can change your voice. And there's so many people spiritually that are doing the exact same thing. They're finding the right mirror to look at to make themselves look good when it's not the right mirror to be looking at. What is the right mirror that we should be looking at? Like, what's the best kind of mirror? If you really want to deal with the impurities and imperfections in your life, what's the best kind of mirror to use? A regular one. A regular one that shows you yourself for who you are from top to bottom, left to right, impurities and all. Not a filter, but the mirror of God's word that shows you for who, who you really are. A lot of us don't like who we really are, but until we're willing to deal with who we actually are, you're never going to go anywhere. And there's so many people that tell lies to themselves about who they are that they never go anywhere. And so as I was thinking about this concept, there is a funny skit that I, it was hilarious. So I got to show it to you guys because it's just flipping hilarious. But I wanted to show it to you because um, it's, it's one of these ones that just, it makes perfect sense once you see it. Come on. That mic? Yes. Of course, after the ad. Our dogs can't stop distracted driving. I love YouTube. This is a great skit. I know, isn't it? I deserve good I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. <laughs> Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Hello, I'm Stuart Smalley. Well, I'm still receiving some negative reactions from my show about Pee Wee Herman, entitled, There But For The Grace Of God. Go high. And I have to admit it was not my best show, but that's okay. I have to give myself permission to do a bad show every now and then. Okay, now for those of you who watch the show regularly, you know that I, I don't have guests, I always do the show alone, and that's okay. But yesterday my producer said, Stuart, I can get you a guest that you would be insane not to have on the show. So I decided to take a risk, and in life you have to take risks. And today we have a guest. And his name is Michael J. I'll protect your anonymity. <laughs> Michael is a basketball player for a professional basketball team. Well, that's very good, Michael. You should be very proud of that. Well, thank you for doing that. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, Michael, 
I know there must be a lot of pressure for you to play very well, and I can imagine that a night before a game, you must lie awake thinking, I'm not good enough, uh, everybody's better than me, I'm not going to score any points, I have no business playing this game. Well, not really. <laughs> Michael, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> well, I do sometimes get a little nervous before important basketball games. I thought so. And that's okay. You're not alone. Believe me, I know what it's like. Laying there awake, all those tapes rolling. I'm a fraud. Tomorrow I'm going to be exposed for what I am, a big imposter. I just want to curl up and lay in bed all day and eat fig nibble. Well, something like that. Right. Well, Michael, those negative thoughts are your critical inner voice saying those things to you, and I want to replace those negative thoughts with something positive, a daily affirmation. Affirmation? Yes. Now look in the mirror. Come on. Don't look at me, only you can help you. That's it. Say, hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. <laughs> I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball into the basket. <laughs> to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball in the basket because all I have to do is be the best Michael I can be. All I have to do is be the best Michael I can be because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> Smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Now, don't you feel better? Well, I never really felt bad. <laughs> no, it's true. Stuart, I guess pretty much of the time I'm, I'm a very happy person. I'm a blessed person. God gave me a talent to play basketball, and I have been able to spread some of that talent and some of that good feeling towards, towards everybody. It inspired other people. It helped people achieve their dreams. I'm just a fool. I, I don't know what I'm doing. They're gonna cancel the show. I'm gonna die homeless and penniless. I'm 20 pounds overweight and no one will ever love me. Stuart, that, that's just not true. I think what you say in your show can be very helpful to people. You think so? Yes, definitely. I just don't think it helps beating yourself up that way. You're right, it's just thinking, thinking. And after all, this show is your dream. It's a good dream. And you deserve to have dreams come true. Feel better? Would you like a hug? You know what? I think this is the best show I've ever done. <laughs> and you know what? I deserve it. Because 
I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Uh, Alright. So, anyway. What year is that? Yeah, what's crazy is that now that guy's a supposed U.S. senator, so I know, whatever. Yeah, what's his name again? It's, uh... I can picture, but I can't remember his name right now. It's not important right now. So anyway, yeah, Al Franken. It's Al Franken. Yeah. Yeah, that's Al Franken. Yep. It is. It is. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so a little bit of humorous, you know, I love that, but... At the same time, you know, you have a situation like that where, you know, and this is this is the problem that I have with there's a lot of positive thinking type stuff. Like I have no problem with positive thinking as long as the positive thinking is truthful. That's my issue. Is that there's a lot of people like Stuart Smalley who lies to himself constantly to make himself feel better. <laughs> Sorry, I should do that. Anyway, so so that's why as we, as we are going to go through this, that I want you guys to really understand that there are so many people that are afraid to admit the truth about who they are and what's going on in their life. And if you're willing to just do that and just do these things and be honest with yourself, you'll be amazed at what God can do. And, you know, even when it comes to our shortcomings and stuff, like there are certain things in my life that I don't like. There are certain things about my past that I hate as far as my poor decisions that I've made. But if I just take responsibility for those things and I talk to God about them, God can turn those things completely around and actually use them for good in my life. But a lot of people want to avoid those things. They want to avoid the negative parts of their life. They want to avoid their mistakes. And I'm telling you, no, that's part of who you are. And God died for you just as you are. And so if you take those things and you actually allow God to use them, it's amazing. It's amazing what he can do. And so here's the deal. When it comes to this kind of stuff, why do I talk about all this? When it comes to camp and I talk about all these things and preparing your proper perspective, having a proper attitude, preparing to meet, meet with God, I've been thinking about this a lot. And many people fall in love with the idea of God, but they never fall in love with God himself, like who he actually is. And they'll fall in love with their own interpretation of God and their own concept of who they think God is, but they never fall in love with who God actually is. And what's amazing to me about that is that if you actually get to know God for who he is, he is better than anything that you've ever conceived in your mind. And any idea that you might have about God is, I mean, it just, got the actual, who God actually is blows that completely out of the water. And so I want you to just really start to think about these things as we kind of go through it, because which one are you? Are you a person that's, fall, that's fallen in love with the idea of God or your own interpretation of God? Or are you someone who's actually in love with the Lord? Because as we go through this list, you'll be able to find out if you do these things in your life, you'll be able to fall in love with who God actually is. If you're not willing to do these things and you say you love God, then you fall in love with some idea of God that's not biblical. And your life is really going to show because you're not willing to deal with things in the right way. All right, so this week, here's your challenge to kind of work through these things and to actually do this. So let's go through these one by one. All right, so first of all, first of all, we've got this whole acronym here of talk, uh, of, of really teach me thy way, O Lord. And if you were to look up those passages in Psalm 27, 86, 119, uh, David here says, teach me thy way. David is not interested in learning his own way. He wants God to teach him. He knows that he's a, he falls short. He knows that he makes mistakes. And so he tells God, teach me thy way. And so I have this acronym, TEACH, that really lays out these are the things that you should be doing in your own life. So first of all, talk. Talk. 
Talk to the Lord with an open and honest heart. Talk with the Lord with an open and honest heart. Go to Psalm 26. Psalm 26. When was the last time that you had an open, honest, real conversation with God? I'm not talking about, dear Lord, thank you for today. I pray today would be a wonderful day. I'm not talking about a canned prayer that you tend to repeat on a daily basis. When was the last time that you talked to God and be like, God, I'm just really having a hard time. I'm really having a hard time because of whatever. Or, God, thank you so much. You know, I've just been thinking over this past week about stuff in my life, or even just today, and how much you've really blessed me because you've... When was the last time you talked to God like that? That you've just been open and honest and real, and you've talked to him like you've talked to anybody else. Because if you're not willing to talk with God like he's an actual person, you can't know him. There's no way. If you're treating him like some religious figure that you have to pray these formed prayers that are very institutionalized and very structured, you have no real thriving relationship with God. It's impossible. This is the first step you got to take this week. And so maybe you've kind of got stuck in your routine or maybe you've just stopped praying altogether because there's certain things you just don't want to talk to God about. I don't know. But I'm challenging you this week, talk to God and be open and be honest and be real. He already knows the depths of your heart. He knows your, your struggles, your, your successes. He knows the stuff you're good at, that you're not good at. He knows everything about you. And when I talk to God and I'm open and I'm honest and I'm real with him, it's so freeing because I bottle up all these things. And in my mind, I, I might convince myself of things that aren't real. But when I'm just like, God, I just need to talk to you. And I just, and I just lay it out. My relationship with God is so much better. Let's take a look at a couple of these passages. Psalm 26. And look what David says here in verse 1. Judge me, O Lord. So right out of the gate, judge me, O Lord. He wants God to judge him. For I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord. Improve me. Try my reins in my heart. See, he's not afraid to go to God and say, God, prove me examine me, try me. And if there's anything wrong in me that I don't see, show it to me. That's the heart of a person that really wants to walk with God. Because I think a lot of us, we know we're not perfect. We know we're not necessarily walking with God the way we should, but we're not willing to ask God, be like, God, to the best of my ability, I think I'm doing okay, but I know that I'm a sinner and I fall short. Could you examine me? Can you try me? Can you prove me? Can you show me if there's anything at all in me that's displeasing to you? Because if there is and I don't see it, I want to see it so that way I can get rid of it. That's someone who really wants to love God. People that love their idea of God will never pray something like this. And they're a hypocrite as a result. Go to Psalm 62. Psalm 62, just a little bit to your right. Psalm 62. Psalm 62 and verse 8. And someone read that one. Sam, go ahead. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Okay, so what's the action here that he says here? There's two, really, in verse 8. What's the first one? Trust. trust in him at all times. When you trust God and you trust him at all times, no matter what's going on in your life, you will then do the second. What is that? 
pour out your heart. Think about that. Take a glass of water or whatever. It could be a glass of any liquid and you pour it out. What do you have to do? Like it just describe the action. You have to take it, turn it, and empty everything out. And when you empty it out, what's going to happen? It goes to the ground. It can make a big, giant mess. See, God loves you in your mess. I love this about God. He, a lot of times, most of us, were like, we're afraid to spill out. We're like, we're keeping everything inside. And God's like, would you just trust me? I love you for who you are. I want to help you. I want, I want your life to be the, the best that it could possibly be. And when we do that and we go to God and we're like, God, I trust you. Then we're, pour it out. Your mess is everywhere. And God's like, and he's blessed by that. When you're willing to pour out, you pour out everything, pour out your heart, pour out your life. God is so blessed by that because you trust him. Like this past week, I wrestled with Lucas. He's been so afraid of baseball because he was playing catch with your little brother, Jason, and he missed it. Lucas missed the catch and it hit him in the face. This happened like a month ago. And ever since then, he's been so afraid to play baseball, like absolutely afraid because he's now taking that one moment and he's applied it to everything, everything to the point where he can't even play catch. Like he's standing from me to Micah and I'm like, I want to toss him the ball and he's terrified. And I'm like, would you just trust me? And he's like, well, okay, but don't, don't step back. Don't take a step back. I don't want to. I'm like, Lucas, stop, stop. Because he kept trying to control the whole circumstance. He was so afraid. He kept trying to control. He didn't want me to go like this because he's afraid. I'm like, do you think I'm going to take the baseball? And just like, <laughs> and at one point he's like, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm really going to do that. No, I love you. I care about you. I'm not going to hurt you. I want you to trust me. But you can't control any aspect of this. You have to trust me that I know what I'm doing, that I love you, and that I'm not going to hurt you. And I'm like, oh, my word. How many times do we do this to God? We are clinging so hard onto these fears that we have that God is like, would you just trust me? Would you just trust me? If you would just be willing just to let go. I'm not asking, I'm not going to necessarily remove this thing or, or take this from you or do something to you that you're fearing in your heart and in your mind. I'm just asking you to trust me. And then here's what happened. After 40 flipping minutes of missing the baseball game because we're out in the outfield just beyond the fence, he finally decides in his mind, okay, I'm going to trust you. So we start here and I toss him the ball and he's like, you know, toss him the ball and he catches it. And then he tosses it back to me. I'm like, all right, take one step back. And we kept doing it. And then all of a sudden, his confidence started coming back. And by the time we were done, it was like nothing ever happened. And he was completely fine. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And so now that's been a key word for us because we were in the car the other day. And it was raining. And he got super nervous. And he's like, Dad, I'm scared because he's afraid of me getting into an accident. I'm like, Lucas, trust me. And he said, okay. And he did. But it took that first time. And I think for a lot of us, we're not willing to take that first step of trusting God. We may have trusted him with our eternity, but we're not willing to trust him with things here and now, which in my mind is completely stupid. If you're trusting God, like when you die and you're going to go to heaven, you're trusting God to save you and take you to heaven. Why would you not trust God with anything else? Like we're so dumb. Anyway, that's a side note. So... <laughs> But there's something that happens that we get our hands and, and our heart around these certain things in our life. 
And God's like, would you just please trust me because you're hanging so hard onto this that you can't walk with me. And if you would just trust me and just open up your arms, I'm not saying I'd take it away, but if I do, it's for your benefit. Would you just trust me? And so here, God says the exact same thing, that when we trust in him at all times, we're willing to pour out our heart. And I go back to it again. When was the last time you poured your heart out to the Lord? In honesty and in truth. For all its flaws, for all its mistakes, for who you are, you laid yourself bare before God. If you are not willing to do that, you have no real relationship with God. And that's probably one of the reasons why you're struggling with so many different other things in your life. Because you've never poured your heart out to God. So that's the first thing you got to do this week. You need to talk to the Lord with an open and honest heart. And when you do that, then you can properly evaluate, that's E, evaluate your life. Only when you're willing to be open and honest with God can you, can you then properly evaluate your life, your past, your present, your future. Only then, because if you're not willing to do that, I go back to the mirror illustration. If you're not willing to be honest with God and pour out your heart to him because you trust him, then you have a mirror that has a filter, a filter that you like, a filter that you want that makes yourself look better than what you actually are. You're not willing to be truthful. So if you're willing to be truthful and be honest with God, then you can evaluate your life. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. All right. Take a look at verse 1. Once again, we got David. And this is why David was a man after God's own heart, because he had this kind of a relationship with God. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. See, he knew that. He knows that God knows him perfectly and intimately. And even so, he knows that God still loves him. And that makes his relationship with God even stronger. And then he continues down all the way through. But then take a look at verse 23. 23. Very end of that chapter. After going through and knowing that, that God knows everything about him, look what he says in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was a man that was so dependent upon God that he did exactly what we just talked about. He said, search me, know me, try me, examine me. And if there's anything in me that's not right, lead me and I will follow you. I will follow you. And so you should be daily, weekly having this kind of relationship with God. You're talking with him, you're honest with him, and then you're evaluating stuff in your life in light of that relationship. God, if you don't want me to go to that college, make it clear. God, if you don't want me to be interested or dating that person, make it clear. God, if, you, if there's anything at all in my life right now that is displeasing to you, I don't want it in there. And based on what I see, I think everything's fine, but just show me. And if you show me, I promise you, I will follow you. That's what we're talking about. That is a real Christian. That's not what you see out there among Christianity. That is a real Christian because they really, truly trust God. And they prove it because their love for God trumps everything else in their life. And they're willing to let anything go, anything, no matter what it is, because they love God. All right, so talk to God, evaluate your life. And then as God shows you things, amend, amend your faults. That's A, amend, amend your faults. Go to Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah. 
Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7. Amend. So talk to the Lord openly, honestly. Evaluate your life, past, present, and future. Amend your faults. So when God brings things up in your life, amend it. Make it good. Make it right. When your faults come up, and they will, are you a person that you make things right? You should be. Anytime something comes up that it's not right, you should have no rest until you make it right. As much as it lies within you, be at peace with all men, the Bible says. And so if there's anything wrong inside of you, you need to deal with it. You need to be open, you need to be honest, and you need to deal with it. So as God brings up stuff, deal with it. Amend your falls. Jeremiah 7. All right, take a look at verse 3. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Take a look at Jeremiah 26. He says the same thing. Jeremiah 26. And the context of Jeremiah is that God has threatened to come in and take Israel captive, Judah captive, into Babylon, and they refuse to listen. They are just constantly wanting to do their own thing. They're stubborn, they're hard-hearted, they're rebellious, and they just want to do whatever they want to do. And God says, listen, if you keep going down this path, there's going to be judgment and destruction in your life. And so don't do that. Amend your ways and your doings. Jeremiah 26 and verse 13. Therefore, now, amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God and the Lord will repent, repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. This is what I love about God. There's many things I love about God, but this is one thing that I love about God. And it makes me appreciate him even more. God looks at me and says, Stephen, if you don't change your ways, this is going to be bad. And if I'm willing to be humble and say, okay, God, and he says, amend your ways and your doings, and it won't go, it would go bad. And he gives me room. God gives me room to make things right. I love that about God because I don't deserve any space. I don't deserve any amount of grace or mercy for God to deal with me like that. Are you kidding? I violate him on a daily basis. I don't deserve to be a pastor. I don't deserve to be in his family. I make so many mistakes. I'm an idiot. Why would God be gracious with me? And yet he's chosen to be. This is why I serve God with all my heart. Because I don't know anyone else like that. That my own creator, who could snuff me out in a moment, and frankly I deserve to be, chose not to. And he's given me room to make things right. You need to do that. Take advantage of the grace of God while you have it. Because you may not have it. You may not. I mean, our life, we all know our life is going to end at some point. And right now, you are living and you are breathing. And God has given you this time now, this space. The Bible calls it a space of grace in other places in the Bible. He's given you this space, this time, to make things right and to do things right with your life. Because it may be over, and then you'll look back and be like, man, I should have done things just completely different. If you feel that way now, then change it. And I know the cost may be high. But is it too high? I mean, honestly, is, it, is the cost too high? When you think about God and you think about all that he's done for you, is the cost of making things right that really, I mean, is it really that high? It's not. When you look at it in the right mirror of God's word, you'll find that whatever God asks you to do to make things right is, is small in comparison to what he's done for us. Absolutely small. 
So amend your ways and your doings. So if there's anything wrong that you've done, because you've talked to him, you've evaluated, he's convicted you, there's things in your life that you know that you're not right, and, you, and he says amend them, that you go and you make them, things right. And kind of tagging along with that, we've got our next point, and that is choose to change as you yield to the Lord's will. Choose to change as you yield to the Lord's will. So honesty with the Lord leads to good evaluation. He brings things up that are not right, that you're willing to amend, and then you choose to change. Now, this is more within the context of the future, for sure, as things come your way. But a lot of us, we're willing to make things right in the moment, but we're not necessarily willing to change our circumstances so that way things stay permanently changed. And that is critical because there's some friendships that you guys should not be having with other people because you just keep tripping up over things over and over and over. It's a stumbling block for you. There's certain things in your life, whether it might be certain aspects of technology or certain things within your friendships or school or family or whatever that are just not right and they keep leading you in these directions where you keep tripping up and making all these mistakes. Whatever it is, making sure that you choose to change as you yield to the Lord's will. Because if you truly love God, you'll never want anything to get in the way of God's will for your life. No matter what it is, no matter who it is, no matter what the circumstances are, your love for God trumps everything. It is the most important thing in your life. Your love for God should be determining your future. Your love and your relationship with God should be determining your career path, your college, your marriage, your location that you live in this world, everything, everything. You should not be determining that. God should be. He should be. That's what's most important. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is the most important thing in the world because there are many people that will give you testimony in this church that have chosen their own way, their own path, their own location, their own job, and they have been utterly miserable for years, for years, until finally they woke up, they came to their senses, chose to do what God wanted them to do, and it might have meant less money. It might meant that you actually have to suffer through the four seasons of Ohio. <laughs> it might mean so many other things, but they're at peace in their life. They have peace with God because they know they're doing the right thing. Peace is something that you cannot put a price tag on. You can't. It is better to have peace with God and live in Antarctica. Yeah. Than to have the flip side. Peace with God. If you live your entire life and you don't have peace with God in here, your life will be a wreck. You will be miserable. So why not start at the beginning? This is why we talk about these things now in your life now because you're making these decisions now that determine the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years of your life. So think about it from this perspective. Believe me, it will save you from years of heartache. Years, years. Go to Job 13. Job. Job 13. Job 13. Okay. All right, so the, here's a phrase that Job said that is one that's quoted quite often, and with good reason. 
Job 13, 15. Job loved God and trusted God so much that he was willing to say this in his heart, and I know that he meant it. 13, 15. Someone read that one. No, go ahead. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways. Hannah, read that one too. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. What? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Explain that to me. Though he slay me, even if what God calls me to do leads me into a circumstance where it costs me my life, I will trust in him. That today in the world of Christianity like doesn't exist. That is like completely foreign. When was the last time God had you in a circumstance where it may have cost you just something and you were like, whoa, all right, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Job loved God. He knew God. He was at peace with God. And this is what he said, though he slay me. Now, remember what Job went through. Where is he at at this point? What has he lost? Everything except for one thing. His wife. And even then, that was a little rocky at one point. His wife stepped in and said, just curse God and die. Just get it over with. (laughs) And he's like, are you kidding? I'm not going to do that. Because he loved God. He knew God. See, what happens in a lot of people's life is that one thing happens that's wrong, that makes people feel uncomfortable, and then you get angry at God. Like, God, why did you do this to me? It's because they don't know God. They don't know God. You can't be angry at God and, not, and, and know exactly who he is. I understand being frustrated. I understand being tired or being like, God, I don't know why. But deep down, you know who he is. So no matter what bad happens in your life, you know him and you know there's a reason behind it, no matter how painful it is. See, people only love God when he benefits them. And it's easy to love God when he causes good things to come into your life. But do you still love God just as much when bad things come in? You should. If you say you love him and you say you follow him and you say he's the Lord of your life, when something bad happens, you should love him more. And that's why you find out who the real Christians are is when bad things happen and it deepens their love for God. It deepens their appreciation for God. They don't run away because they know him. They know him. They know what he's done for him. And I don't, like in my life, I have had, I mean, at least three catastrophic things happened to me in my life that I could have just completely run away from God. It's very few, but I've had three circumstances. And every single time it's made me love God even more because he's been with me through it. And I knew that I can lean on him. I can't lean on myself. I am, I am so frail. I am... The wisdom that I think that I have fails me when I need it. The people in my life, they're in the same boat. They're human beings. They make mistakes. God is the only one that has stood with me when I needed him. And so I love him more. So it doesn't matter what unfolds in my life. My whole life could fall apart like Job's. And I could have nothing. And I know that I'll still trust him because he's been proven faithful to me in my life. 
That's what it means to have a real relationship with God. And so it doesn't matter what unfolds. If God wants me to do something, I want to do it. Now, I'm not perfect at it, but I want to do it. And I I want to have the same kind of hard attitude. And I think that I would because I've seen it happen unfold in my life before. But do you have that kind of relationship with God? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And see, that kind of a heart comes from the fact that you are persuaded. You know who God is. That's Romans 8 and that's 2 Timothy 1. All right, and so if you have that aspect and you have that kind of hard attitude, then this last point will just be very easy. You hear from the Lord continuously and you obey immediately. You hear from the Lord continuously and you obey immediately. So you're open and honest with God. You talk to him and then you evaluate. And as things come up that aren't right, you amend those things and you make those things right. And you choose to make changes as you yield to God's will for your life because you're not in charge. He is. And that puts you in a position that as God speaks to you daily through his word, through other people, through circumstances, you hear him and you obey immediately. Go to Psalm 63 and then we'll end here. Psalm 63. So after everything we've talked about, Psalm 63 is now put in its proper context. And so I'm going to read this psalm because this is exactly where David's at. He's open and honest with God. He evaluates his life. He amends his fault. He chooses to change wherever God wants him to change. And so now he's in this kind of a position where he hears from God. He desires to hear from God and he can't wait to hear from God. Psalm 63. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. By the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. So you see here, just even in verse 1, where he longs for God, he thirsts for God, that everything about him, he can't wait to hear from God, to see God, to spend time with God, because he loves God. And so whenever God shows up, whenever you have the opportunity to open up the word of God, you get excited about it. Anytime you have the opportunity to serve God, that you just can't wait for it. And see, I think, because I know me, and I am very similar to you, that we tend to substitute so many things in God's place. Some of us are way more excited to do other things rather than spend time with God. We're so excited to watch the next episode of whatever show or to read the next book or to play the next game or to play in this tournament or that tournament or, you know, do whatever. See this movie, listen to that album, whatever. We have so many other things that that actually that passion, that excitement should be for God. It really should. And if it doesn't exist, then there's something that you're not seeing right about God. Because when you see God rightly, then he will have your heart. He will have your heart. And so here's my challenge to you with you guys this week. Are you truly in love with God? Are you in love with, the, with your version of God? 
So in order to prepare, follow this pattern. And it begins. It begins. You can't evaluate. You can't amend your faults. You can't choose to change. You can't hear from God and change and obey immediately without talking to him first. That's the first step. You have to talk with him openly and honestly. And as you talk with him, then you'll start to see stuff in your life that you should be doing differently and stuff that's good and things you don't need to change. And you'll start to see some of your faults come up and then you need to deal with them. Because what tends to happen, this is what happens at camp. People at camp, majority, go through number one, number two, number three. Their camp commitment is number four, but they never actually end up doing it. And then they never get to number five. That's what happens. On your guys' study sheet, that's what happens. Usually every year, the majority of people, they talk with God and they're willing to be honest. They'll even evaluate and they'll see some faults and they'll start to get things right. They write down what they're wanting to change, but then they go home and then they actually don't do it. You guys should have gotten your camp commitments last week. Did you guys get them? How'd you do? So as you start to think through some of this stuff, this is what we're talking about. If you want to have a good, good camp, you need to start now. You need to start now. You need to start working through these things. And you get this pattern down and you'll be able to hear things from God. And even be in a situation like, I think it was last year, I was talking to one of our students who, man, this was such a blessing to me. There was a student who said, you know, this year there's not like, you know, there's not like a lot of things that I really need to change. And I'm kind of concerned. Am I not seeing something? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. Because now you can hear from God about other things that he wants you to do. Camp is not intended to be the place where you get right with God. Camp is supposed to be the place where you can get further direction about what he wants you to do. God wants you to get right with him every single day. Not at camp. That's not what camp is for. That's what camp can be used for to get you in the right place. But that's not what camp is for. And we need to get get that into our minds. So do that this week. I'm going to do the same thing because I know that every time I go to camp, God's going to be teaching me some things. And it just gets me excited about hearing from Pastor Mike. So, all right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray, God, we'd hide these things deep within our heart, that we would uh, truly do these things, that we might honor you, that we could be the people that you've made us to be in this world. So thank you again for your patience, your care for us daily. And I pray, God, that we would trust you and that we'd pour out our heart unto you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.